And we're live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first official episode of the Plant Compassion Podcast. And I am with a good friend of almost 10 years now. Has it really been? It's been 10 years, man. It's been a long time. If it's 2021 now, I started secondary school. So that would be what over there? What's like your Uh, highest school rating? uh, High high school. Well, what year did you start? That would have been 2010. I, I wrong question. How old were you? Jesus Christ! I don't know. 13. So it would have been like started just starting high school, I think. Here. Yeah. So I will. I've known you since around the middle of like high school age, then, because I got into the last podcast what age fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, something like that. And that was about twenty. 2013. So yeah, it's all. It's well, I don't know. It might even even later than that. Or it's it's getting up there. That, that kind of blew me away when you said that, though. Yeah, it has been quite a few years. I remember being, yeah, just starting. Maybe so, not just starting high school, but I was sophomore or junior. So, yeah, like 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. Oh, damn, Crazy. Um, yeah, sorry. Before we all go along, this is my good friend, Christopher Sorensen, also known as Chris Sorensen. Oh, Chris, he is a good friend I've known for years. Like I said, uh, lives across the other side of the world, but doesn't really stop us from being friends because internet and shit um we met as we were just discussing last year uh, last year bleh, years ago um through a podcast called last podcast on the left i'm sure many people have heard of it now because it's blowing the hell up on spotify yeah, yeah. it's massive now it's kind of crazy I, I i couldn't go to the london show i couldn't i just because there's too many people now did it sell out or i, I don't know when it was um it was at least seven months before like lockdown maybe I'm okay sure. i was gonna it, say it's like did that late have any 2019 with... early 2020 i'm sure i think but i know it sold out because loads of people were messaging me like are you coming are you coming I'm like i i can't anymore guys sorry <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's crazy i remember when they tried to start their first european tour and they couldn't they couldn't sell enough seats so they had to cancel it and in uh in 2016 i'm fairly certain because i was a senior in high school still yeah uh, but i yeah. but i was 18 uh me and my friend joey smith um scraped enough money together come uh spring break and we flew to new york and i got to meet lupe and we went to uh we went to the creek in the cave rest in peace big up creek in the cave best comedy club i went to in new york city anyway i wasn't yeah. there for long but like again i don't think i know anyone anyone who's actually into comedy say anything bad about the greek in the cave so no no it's a real shame when i heard about uh what happened covid's taken a lot from us it's taken way too much <laughs> way um, too much but i remember it's, i think like 150 dollars for one of their vip tickets to to uh to like meet them after the show which I'm not trying to sound like a hipster, you know, like I knew them before they were cool, but, but, uh, I try to, uh, I try to, uh, avoid social media as much as I can these days. I'm still on it, you know, enough to feel like I know what's going on in the world, but I know what you mean, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love hate social media. I mean, it brought us together. It's sort of the whole podcast revolution. It's done a lot of good, but the, oh, yeah. la- the last couple of years. I don't it's know just, what the internet's even become. It's just the whole the whole echo chamber thing for me, you know. Um, I li- so I a little back background on me, I guess. I live in uh, Wisconsin, 
Um, they go cheese town. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Home of the serial killers and the cheese. No longer the milk. California took it from us. Screw you, California. Um, <clears throat> no, but uh, they, uh, unless you're in Milwaukee or Madison, which I guess that's what Wisconsin's known for these days in topical news. Uh, um, was it Waukesha? No, it wasn't Waukesha. Although Waukesha had the Slender Man stabbing a few years ago. That was interesting. But um, Kenosha was uh, where um, a lot of protests were happening um, a few months back. And and that's where the whole Kyle Rittenhouse scandal happened. It was a few hours south of here. And, and actually, George Floyd, uh, uh, may he rest in peace, um, was killed uh, just a few blocks away from where my mom lives in St. Paul, which is an hour 45 i was i was going to bring that up like because I, I don't know how like the range of where things are in america i i grasped it a little bit in new york everything is <laughs> yeah. really far away yeah it's a lot different uh than one little island huh? and that's what i wanted to ask like how like how much did that actually affect you and like people you know because we on the news we saw the main riots and stuff and now we've got the yeah. worries about another riot happening tonight but that's being diverted to washington or something i don't know oh. trump's been bad he's been very bad yeah yeah um but yeah like did it did that how yeah as a british person bringing mm-hmm. black lives matter movement more prominently to the uk how much did that actually affect you and people you know? So that's interesting. Uh, it's an interesting question, a, a little bit in both ways. So I have a friend, actually, Joey Smith, who I um, went to New York with. Uh, he lives in Racine. I guess maybe I shouldn't be doxing him, but fuck him. Um, love you, Joey. Yeah, I love you, Joey. Uh, he lives in Racine, which is a, a, a suburb of, of Milwaukee, and he's actually a stone's throw from... Um, from uh, Kenosha and I haven't talked to him in a while so I don't know how I guess the the riots would have affected him down there but I would imagine I mean he was pretty close to the action um St. Paul say, knowing Joey as well he kind of would have been interested oh yeah oh yeah I don't know if he would have showed up but he would have been like huh you know yeah he'd, he'd have been keeping a little bit of an eye on it <laughs> yeah yeah um but my mom uh lives in uh, St. Paul Minnesota which is about a two-hour drive from from where I'm at, um, maybe a little less. Hmm. Um, so not anything that's like you know gonna like blow up on my street or anything. And and um, the city that I live in, Eau Claire, is is um, I guess pretty peaceful. It's uh you know we had a demonstration, but it was peaceful. And um, uh, Eau Claire is very. Uh, I hate to just uh, sum up a a single town in one word but I, i'd have to say as far as wisconsin goes eau claire's fairly democratic you know alongside mm. uh madison and milwaukee um the rest of wisconsin though is is all very rural and very yeah. conservative uh yeah. i grew up in a, a town of a thousand people you know as a small farming community um and uh very very conservative views you know so um, I, I mean, I imagine it everywhere I go, usually, and I don't know why, it could be for various reasons I want to find out for, farming and rural and like country places tend to lean to more of those views. I don't know yeah. if it's because there's less people, so you have to be less considering of people. Um, I don't know. I, I I always wondered about that, like why people in certain like the rural areas do lean 
towards right. at least we perceive it that way yeah we we do and i i think it certainly is you know and i'm not sure why i think there's certainly some psychology behind that um generally if if i had to put my finger on it i i will say i i would on the one hand, it's certainly true that people in smaller communities are exposed to less. You know, you're not living in New York City where mm-hmm. every single person around you is of a different nationality, a different religion. You know, it's everyone's very cookie cutter. Everyone's very the same. Yep. Um, but because it's smaller, like I was saying about the the uh, Facebook uh, group that we met on, uh, because it is much smaller, people are able to have much more intimate uh, relationships. You know, uh, neighbors are talking to each other and you know, if I'm not related to you, I'm, I'm probably related to somebody, you know, that you're close to. And so yeah. you have a lot of connections with people. Um, but if I, if I had to put my finger on it, I would say it's, it's most people, uh, th- there is certainly racism. I, I won't, uh, I won't deny that. Uh, my yeah. mom, my mom's a, a Lutheran pastor uh, and she's retired now, but she was, and she, she was actually the first female pastor um, of the church we were at uh, there in that, in that small town that I grew up in. That's um, kind of a big thing. I just want to say that. <laughs> yeah, I love my mom. She's a she's a uh, she's a fighter, person to look up to. Um, yep. If you, I think everyone needs a mother or a motherly figure to look up to. Yes, uh, but you know, um, and one of, one of the tr- reasons I originally distanced is, um, myself from the church. Um, you know, my mom's uh, big into. Um, mission trips, you know, so she brought us to Africa when I was a freshman in high school. And that was that was an awesome eye opening experience to which, you know, it's it's I, in some ways, I regret uh, having not known, I guess what I know now about the world, but she's always done that, that sort of st- stuff, you know, she's uh, gone down to uh, the Gulf of Mexico, when there's been a hurricane for disaster relief, uh, Texas for flooding, she's gone to Jamaica, she's been to a lot of third world countries. Um, and so she likes, she likes doing those things. And, and one of, uh, and so do I quite frankly, but one of the things she would do uh, when she was a pastor, we would uh, set up sort of like, um, I guess, uh, like sister churches, you know, so we would have yeah. a sister church uh, in Malawi, for example. And um, yeah, we kind um, of had that with like, we didn't really have it with churches, but we had it with like schools. So we'd have like a sister school over right. in Africa. Yeah. And it's a chance to like, you know, a, a culture, a cultural exchange, you learn about each other and you can help each other in different ways, set up fundraisers and things like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, there, there had been an opportunity through the ELCA, which is the sort of, I guess, um, like a, a organization for all the churches in the Midwest um, where uh, they were able to fundraise uh, a group from, from a, uh, uh, Malawi to uh, come in and tour a few churches in, I think, just Wisconsin, Minnesota area. And uh, it was a church choir and they would come and perform. And, uh, you know, some of the some of the folks at my church, you know, I, I'd hear them whispering under their breath, you know, oh, geez, like, you know, we got these we got these darkies coming and, and coming into our church. Oh, yeah. And okay, so I would yeah. hear that, you know, and I'm just like, boy, you call yourselves Christians. But that's that's a conversation for another time. So there's uh, just my point being that there's certainly a lot of racism in these small, small communities. And, and granted, they're all very uh, relatively older populations. You know, I couldn't think of somebody who went to that church who wasn't, you know, under the age of 40. Um, I mean, I don't mean any disrespect to old people, but thankfully, due to age, <laughs> the racism is kind of dwindling out a little bit now. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, 
I, I, yeah, I don't want to be ageist and I, I don't like to think it is an age thing. Um, so I said, my mom's retired now she's 64, 65, you know, I, I would, I would consider her, uh, in, in the higher bracket of, of age, you know, yeah, yeah. life expectancy. And, and she's one of the most open, open-minded people I've ever met. Um, and so I don't think it's an age thing. I think it's, it's, uh, an experience thing. And I guess yep. you know, racism 100%. was a much more common experience few few decades ago which is yeah good good that it's improving but uh, uh conservatism in small towns um so so some of it is exposure and and uh, maybe lack of empathy you know you're not going to third world countries and seeing what, how people are living every day so you're not you know, when you hear about people coming to seek asylum in our country you can't fathom why that is and it doesn't take yeah a genius to 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 go that extra em- empathetical step and and understand people but that's just the way it is I guess. Yeah, that was a recent thing. Uh, five months ago here, loads of refugees came over because COVID crisis, the Middle Eastern war, there was the whole backlash with Israel and Gaza going on again. Mm. And there was a massive wave of immigrants coming over and people were confused. And I was like, COVID alone should be a good reason for people wanting to flee terrible countries like that at the moment. Yeah. And yeah. to just like at the end of the day, if your parents are forcing or well, not forcing you having to take you on a boat, maybe not even a boat, a, a foam thing to take you across to another country, that's because something is wrong with the original country you're coming from. And yeah. I just don't understand how people can't understand that. Like, yes, of course, bad things can happen. Like in every single batch of human beings, there's a little bit of bad. Like even the sun casts a shadow. So, like, but it's we it's, shouldn't it's un- assume they're all. Everyone is bad. No, no, at and all. It's, it's, it's such a short, short-sighted view as well. I mean, let's say you don't want somebody in your country. A- aside from that fact, the fact the fact that people are pouring into our country means there's something wrong with theirs. And what you, mm-hmm. if you if you don't want people in in your country, which I don't see a, a major issue with that. But if you don't. What you should be doing is trying to solve the problems that that are making them flee in the first place. And so many people are just not interested in, in any of that, you know. And um, uh, just, I just want to look at the U.S. government, the uh, U.K. government and the Israeli government. When we say uh, help each other, we don't mean sell arms to each other. Could you please yeah. stop doing that? That's, yep, no. that's not helping. <laughs> humanitarian aid and the actual Bingo. actual humanitarian aid. So, um where 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 was I though? I was I was. Uh, we, we, we went on a tangent about. Uh, talking about small town. Black and... Lives Matter. That's what well, I want yes, to ask you. Yes, yes, yes. How okay, much so... did it affect you, people around you, and so on? Um, yeah. So so I never actually got uh, over to the cities. Um, I'm not entirely sure why, because I would have, I think, loved to be a part of a, a demonstration over there, or just mm. you know see it. It's it's a it, it's a historic time. You know the. The, the biggest racial movement in I think the history of the world, you know, uh, even the even uh, the civil rights in uh, in the 60s was, you know, it erupted in the United States, but there were never worldwide demonstrations like no. you see today. Like so it, it was everywhere. I knew friends that were doing demonstrations in Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, Australia, New Zealand. I could go on like the literal other crazy. side of the world of you guys and right. me. And people were empathizing and actually showing compassion and unity for once. That wasn't right. just like 
one demographic of people like in the past it started with one demographic of people and segregated into neighboring peoples this time it went everywhere it was the world the world was watching america um and it's it's unfortunate how a lot of how uh, a lot of people responded but uh yeah uh um as far as as far as how it affected me or people i know um uh, my cousin-in-law um tong uh he's he's Hmong, and he uh knew i believe he knew the family of uh derek chauvin who was the officer that um unfortunately murdered uh george floyd uh he he knew his uh wife's his wife and i think i believe her family oh, either wow. knew her wife or knew her family um you know got their christmas cards every year and uh I think it was very unfortunate. Um, uh, she, that, that's a completely different angle at it. Instead of like knowing like George's family, imagine knowing the guy that did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if he knew the uh, the the guy intimately, but he 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 knew her family, and uh, obviously she she was having a real rough time. You know, I think they they uh, filed for divorce very shortly after, and and she was getting yeah. death threats and and her life. I I can't imagine how blown up everything must have become after that but i actually felt terrible for the family because i'm not going to assume that the family are exactly the same as him but like seeing people being outside the house he wasn't he was there to begin with but there was people still there when he was arrested threatening the family and i was just like come on guys no move the efforts direct it towards him because that's when the terrible terrible thing called the news come in and like to portray a horrible light on protesters in, indeed yeah yeah don't give them anything to don't give them any don't give fodder. ammunition to anyone right. if you want to give them ammunition give them good ammunition right right um so uh that's i guess one connection um as far as myself um i don't maybe maybe you know this i don't know uh because i'm not super active on social media currently but um right now i'm working as a uh, private security contractor mm-hmm. i knew like oh. the general gist of what you've been doing right and it's uh you know it's not something i take su- too seriously most of my coworkers are uh, in the in the security business um mm-hmm. in in hopes to become like a state trooper or a police officer uh you know it's it's something that they're working on for their career for me i'm just kind of doing it for a paycheck you know while i uh, work on things i enjoy like videos or writing and which you know we can get to later but yeah yeah um uh one of the uh client sites that i'm at or that i was at um at the time i haven't been there in a little while now we found we found somebody full-time to be down there um was the uh the transit center so i was i was at the bus stop downtown hmm. um and eau claire is not a massive city you know there's there's not rampant crime or anything you know it's about fifty thousand people um similar to where we are but probably way more spread out uh probably yeah i don't know how many miles eau claire covers but it's yeah anyway so uh i i would be at the uh the bus station from 2 30 in the afternoon to 9 30 at night Um, and unfortunately the majority of my, well, I, I don't want to say, unfortunately, uh, most of my job was dealing with, uh, uh, the transient population, homeless people or vagabonds, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. And, uh, I say, I guess I say, unfortunately, because pretty much the reason I was there was to kick them out if they're not getting on the bus, you know, if you're not a, if you're not using the bus, you got no reason to be here. Um, 
it's it's a what, hard thing to do like you, you morally don't want to do it but you need the paycheck you need uh, you know it's you could be I'm, that person that's homeless if you're not doing what you're having to yeah, do yeah and, and this is me coming from a situation where i was living out of my car for a year traveling around and so you know where a lot of places i a lot of times i didn't necessarily have um a bed to sleep say, in every yeah night. you've had a very good perspective on the other spectrum of it as well it, it, it you know it's a little bit different because i i was i was doing it as a choice you know a lot of these people don't have a choice in their living situation i'm sure they'd love to change it if they could very um, true but it's still more than the average joe do you know what i mean yes yeah i have a i have a better understanding of of you know what they might be going through more than the bus drivers who are just poking fun at them you know yeah. um uh and you know luckily i i can say that it was a very rare a situation where i had to you know force somebody out um and and i know other guards who have been stationed down there mm-hmm. and they say they have to to call the police you know once a week to 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 settle down some conflict and i say i i don't know how in the world that keeps happening to you and the only assumption i have is that um uh, too many people i work with are just going at things very bluntly you know if they see somebody that's that's been sitting on the bench for i don't know 45 minutes and they haven't gotten on a bus they'll just go up to them and say hey you know you got to get out of here you can't stay here you got to go and they're just very combative yeah um, where you know, I, I kind of, I, I see it as a pretty cool job. Uh, some of my sites, I'm not dealing with the public uh, very much, but that was one where I was. And, you know, my job was to just hang out. <laughs> I just yeah. hung out all day, make sure nobody's doing anything crazy, but no one really was. And, uh, and so it's just kind of people watching, you know, and, and it's a bus station. So all sorts of different people are coming through all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life. You can have all sorts of interesting conversations and it's, uh, it, it was pretty fun in, in, in a lot of ways. And so half the time, you know, I just go up to somebody, start talking to them, you know, have a conversation, share something about yourself, let them share something about them and just say, Hey man, I know, uh, I know you might be busy. Uh, t- you, you might not be too busy today. Or, um, I, I don't know if you have anywhere you got to go. I can't let you stay too long. Um, which, you know, I'm sorry about, but, uh, if I could just have you hop on the next bus or, you know, go, go somewhere else and, and they'll be like yeah man no i appreciate it you're <laughs> yeah you i don't know the decency to kind of initiate conversation and not initiate it straight away from the blunt angle of hey you've got to move instead yeah. you're making a connection you let somebody keep their pride too you know if you go up yep. to them and tell them they're do some, doing something wrong they're much more likely to to i guess be a dick back to you you know yeah yeah, most of the time in those jobs, what you deal out, you're going to get it back. Yeah, yep, 100%. Um, and, you know, I, I did as much as I could for people. Well, still, I guess, operating within the boundaries of my job. Um, yeah. You know, I live in I live in Wisconsin. It tends to get very cold here. Uh, it's been a pretty mild winter. We've actually only had two snowfalls, and it's been – it's hardly been below zero yet, but it's not uncommon in in our winters to where you'll have – at least, you know, a week, like accumulatively a week of, uh, you know, negative 10, negative 20, negative 30 wind chill sometimes. It's like some of the photography that you've Which done is, of, I guess, like in winter makes me feel cold. Like as an English person, I'm known <laughs> about the cold, but yeah. we only have like constant cold, whereas you have extreme cold. 
I, th- I, I think I might take the extreme cold over the constant cold because, you know, come summer, it, which I, I don't know if you can quite follow because Celsius versus Fahrenheit, but come summer, it's, it can easily get up to like 90, you know, 95 degrees here in sweltering heat. Um, and so we get both extremes, I guess, which is good and bad because we, we get a beautiful spring and a beautiful um, uh, fall. But I mean, uh, global warming is kind of helping Britain at the moment. We're having very hot summers. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I like it. Don't like why it's happening. <laughs> just, yeah. It's, it's bad no, ideas of why it's happening, but I like, I prefer the heat over the winter by far. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's been a, a very mild winter and I'm, I'm kind of like, ah, oh, I wonder what that, why that is. But at the same time, I'm not complaining because I'm not driving on an ice, ice, ice rink on the way to work, but um, uh, you know, when it gets that cold and people got nowhere to go, um, a couple blocks down from the bus station was, uh, uh, the, uh, homeless shelter and they were open from 7am to 7pm. And so come six o'clock, wherever, wherever people were hanging out, whether it was the library or, you know, a coffee shop or a friend's house, wherever they might be, they'll all congregate, congregate at the bus station, um, before, seven o'clock and they'll head over to the, to the shelter. Um, and you know, my, my job doesn't allow me to let people hang out for more than, no. No. I mean, it's kind of up to my discretion, but an hour is definitely too, uh, you know, about as long as I can let anyone hang out, but, and it's, yeah. it's a very old kind of decrepit bus station. It's not very well insulated. Um, but you know, I would crank the heat up in there and I would let people hang out as long as they can. Yeah. You know, if somebody's like, yeah, a lot of a lot of times people co- would come in drunk or high, but I would just you know kind of t- tell them, and it, it's at a time of night too where no one else is really um, y- using the bus too much. Yeah. Um, if it was if it was real busy, you know, it might be more of an issue. But but once night hits, people are trying to get back to their house as soon as possible. So mm, yeah. if they're not bothering anybody, you know, I'll, I'll tell them, you you know, hang out as long as you need to before the before the homeless shelter opens up and. If they're acting up, I'll tell them to, you know, I'm just like, hey, man, I'm, I'm trying to help you out. I want to, uh, I don't want to have to see you go out there and freeze your ass off while you're waiting for the place to open. And, you know, I want to let you stay. So just, just behave a bit more. Yeah. Good. And yeah. if they were uh, conscious enough to understand me, they'd, you know, usually oblige. So, I mean, despite the, uh, idea of sobriety regarding anyone i think in any situation a lot of people need to approach it as in like they're dealing with another version of themselves not this hostile entity because then you just get things construed and confused it's easier to think oh this guy what if i was in his shoes okay let me think he needs help he's cold okay i can't rush him but I need to still do my job. What would I do? Uh, they'd put, uh, give me a few, uh, half an hour. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Just give him half an hour. Just give him a little bit of chit chat and then hopefully he'll go on his way. Be nice. Don't be like, Hey, bucko, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. No. And half the time too, that's, that's what would happen is, is, uh, um, you know, people knew. And once they came to respect me and I, and they knew I respected them, they would uh, mo- more often than not um, hang out as long as they knew they were allowed and, and move on on their own. And we just, you know, wave in passing. Yeah. Mutual respect. Um, and, and, it, you know, it's unfortunate too. just not many people would, would see eye to eye with them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, the bus drivers or, or wh- whoever it is, is going to be uh, uh, just kind of poking fun. I don't know why maybe the perspective is whether or not they would admit it is just kind of like looking at these people and, and, and uh, uh, kind of, I guess looking at them as, as failed humans is, is the best way I could look at it or like, uh, you know, lack of discipline. They're not taking control of their life. And so it, they're just failures, but you know, so often that's really not the case. It's uh, you know, uh, situation, illness, circumstance, ad- anything really. Addiction, yeah, it could be so many things, and and I've I've le- certainly learned um, many times in my be life. Anything, yeah, like, that's yeah. what a lot of people don't realize. It's not just this, but I mean, we do bring up mental health and stuff. It's a serious thing, but anyone could be homeless a lot of people don't or go through these situations because the world doesn't rotate around any singular person this could literally happen to i mean just look at wolf of wall street story i mean come on now there's good irony there he was on top of the world then came to absolute shit i mean he's doing okay now but you guys get my gist what i'm saying you know <laughs> yeah i i think jordan belfort was the name of the guy in, in wolf of wall street guy. and obviously i don't know what he was like before he went to prison um he sounds like the movie he, he says the movie was pretty accurate and uh you know i i hear the guy talk now and compared to that you know he's he's a much more uh, empathetical person and and he's he's very aware of um those sins of his past, I guess. And so, you know, you know, maybe it took him hitting rock bottom, rock bottom to be able to, uh, to see that. That's, that's what I was, you read my mind. I love you. That's exactly the point. I just like, I feel like once people experience true suffering themselves and then it hits home because again, like with the whole George Floyd thing, because it didn't happen to, like people's cousins and stuff some people are like well why should i care but then others now are thinking well what if that was me or my cousin right it's right. it's flipped the script people are actually kind of caring about each other now a bit more yeah yeah, yeah. um so uh, uh but as far as how it affected me um i i could tell you know i i wear a uniform and a badge and i could tell there was slight anonymity after after all that um, uh, towards me, but but nothing that was. But at least cons- you're still considered. being the good guy, man. Like it yeah, doesn't I matter. Mean, like you're still being you. Like I know people who are police officers, and I know people who shout a cab. But I know the people in policing are really trying to actually change the police force to make it better, make it yeah. good. There are those people. There's, there are. And there's that's like I'm kind of glad I've had you on to talk about that because you are somewhat in that role, yet you are somewhat, active, yeah. You are actively doing compassionate work within your work. Still, you're being a good human being. I'm just yeah, trying to be me and not not let you know whatever I think my role is supposed to be lead what I'm thinking. And you know, like I said, a lot of my coworkers are are working on careers in law enforcement, and I don't want to. Um, uh, be derogatory towards them in any yeah. way but there's so often where i see people you know they, they just go to the local community college and say yeah i guess i'll be a, a police officer it's an you know it's an easy it's an easy uh degree to get and mm. you know it's a decent wage but they they're not really thinking i don't know it's uh, people are 
I, I see people and they, they're going into law enforcement like it's just any other job and and it's really not you know you need a lot of life skills to be able to navigate your way through all these different ethical scenarios um a hundred and, and, and you know they're not thinking about that and so I, no. I i i wish them the best and i hope that uh you know they learn those things along the way but so many people are just you know coming from the same place i did which was a small rural community that doesn't expose you to a lot of different you know life situations where you're going to learn a lot of those things and so no i mean even that brings up to what you said earlier about social media it is a good thing and a bad thing this being one good thing because of social media it kind of expanded the horizons of places where people are in rural areas and stuff so they can i mean it's a double-edged sword again because the internet is now pushing crazy conspiracy and right-wing stuff but also it helps people connect with people who are isolated and kind of be like, Hey, look, this is what the world's actually like, you know? Yeah, no, it's hundred percent double-edged sword. And it's, it's kind of crazy to look at because, you know, on the one hand you're exposed to so much more and, and we thought this would be, you know, the, the internet coming around would, would kind of unite humanity because you're able to, to, you know, pick up your phone and look at what's happening across the world and become much more connected with everybody. Um, but on the other hand, we didn't expect social media and how, I guess, you know, uh, how it was actually to, going to be used. Yeah. To, to put it simply, how capitalism is going to influence how social media operates, you know? And so uh, here's an ad, here's an ad, here's an ad, here's an ad. Oh, you it, talked about this earlier. Here's an ad for it. Right. And it, not just advertisements, you know, the goal of a, a social media company is to keep you engaged for as long as they can. So if mm -hmm. they know that you like Trump, they're going to show you a lot of things about Trump. If they know that you like cookies, they're going to show you 10 different Facebook groups that you can join about cookies. And so yep. they become echo chambers like that, you know, when, where all of a sudden, although we have all of this information at our disposal, you're only seeing, you know, the things you want to see, the, the like-minded individuals out there. And in a lot of situations that can, that can be negative, you know, and 50 years ago, if you were a flat earther, you might know one, maybe two other people who are like, oh yeah, that's an interesting theory. But now you go on the internet and you can find a Facebook group of 10,000 people who are into the same thing all over the world. And suddenly it becomes a community where it never would have been. And you can find that in a lot of negative situations where whether it be, I don't know, drug trafficking or pedophilia or pseudoscience, there's so many different areas where unfortunately people are able to connect on the internet. And, uh, and so it is a double-edged sword in that way, but you know, it's, it's interesting um, whether or not you agree with government regulation on things like that, which I, I personally do. Um, it's, it's mm -hmm. interesting now to look at like, you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg testify, testifying in front of Congress. Um, he had one, uh, you know, maybe a, a year, two ago, and then they just had one over Zoom, you know, and, 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 and they're pretty, pretty intensely uh, grilling these guys about, you know, like the ethical practices I, of I other companies the interview about the russian advertisement and uh, the guy was grilling him basically saying well how couldn't you have known these russian advertisements when they were being paid in rubles yeah <laughs> that was yeah. one of the comebacks like it doesn't matter if there was a fake ip or anything it's still being paid in russian currency at some times <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bit ironic bit ironic a little a little hard to see past um and so uh, you know, and I, I, uh, I tend to agree that um, to, to an extent, I, one thing I, I would, I would have to add to, uh, you know, why 
what drives a lot of people's conservative views is is fiscal conservative conservatism or I guess like small government um, reach, you know, uh, so lack of business regulation, mm. um, th- things like that, you know, so it's, it's, it's easier for people to do what they want, right, in a country. But yeah. um, when you have these social media giants, you have, you have Am- not, not even social media, you know, you have Amazon and Google and Facebook and, you know, you have, you have the, the power in the hands of very, very small amount of people, you need some kind of oversight, um, and you know, I have I, I can't even begin to fathom how you would implement that in in laws and regulations in a way that makes everybody happy. You know, where you're you're breaking up these these big organizations in a way where they can't manipulate people, but you're also not, you know, overstepping your bounds in in and uh, regulating things too much and becoming you know somebody like China, where your government is censoring half the things you're you're able to view. Exactly. Like I, I had this debate with a conspiracy friend who went off the deep end sadly, and he was talking about like freedoms and stuff and i said like let's say if we had a book that contained all the knowledge in the world and we just like casually went and gave this to every single person if we didn't explain this book or values or the ethics of this book some people are going to look at the book and go "Uh," and whack themselves on the face some people are going to look look at it and go oh i can abuse this and use this to my advantage then there's going to be some people who are going to do it for good things. The problem is it's not about like control or force. It's kind of like it's the government should advise people. They should make it open advisements to not. Do you know what I mean? Am I making yes. sense? No, a hundred percent. Um, It's, it's, and obviously that's where a lot of things get lost in translation is, is, you, you know, if you're a governing body, you can look at the data in front of you and see, okay, you know, power belongs to this many people or, or whatever the problem might be but it's the it's the meaning behind that that determines the meaning i guess that you get from that which determines how you exactly. how you respond yep um that's kind of interesting my my roommate um his name's sam he's a chef a scientist and a philosopher and he uh that's a big triple like <laughs> job title yeah yeah well we had an interesting conversation yesterday and uh the way he brought it up he said um um, you know, uh, he, he's somebody who, who uh, he, he listens to a lot of, um, you know, talks on philosophy and mm-hmm. uh, he's, um, he's an atheist. So he takes science, I guess, very seriously, you know, fact is fact and, and we need to kind of obey that. But he said something interesting yesterday and uh, um, he actually mentioned uh, a guy that we both connected over Alan Watts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, he said, uh, uh, you know, fact isn't everything or fact isn't all of um, fact doesn't f- f- fact is only a part of an overall truth. Right. And mm-hmm. and so I asked him, what do you mean? Because some like I heard that and I could, you know, my my brain went to, you know, like uh, fake news or, you know, let's not listen to facts. Let's all be anti-vaxxers and flat earthers. But, you know, that's not what he was saying. Um, no. wait, you know what what he was trying to say was. We can have a fact, you know, uh, uh, one person owns 90% of the wealth, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's how you interpret that and the meaning you get from that, which defines how your perspective changes or how you view w- what needs to be done. And uh, the example I gave in the conversation we had was um, uh, Alan Watts. Uh, let's, let's, let me try to remember the example I gave. Um, 
I, I mentioned his his famous quote, uh, "Did you forget to dance?" Right. Um, mm. Yeah. And so, from a from a pragmatic sense, he says, um, "You know, is is the is the objective of dancing to arrive on a particular place on the floor?" <laughs> well, for, you know, from a from a t- scientific yeah, standpoint, why maybe, dancing? Right. But you know, there's it's 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 much deeper than that. You know, it's part of the human experience. Something about joy and and uh, yeah, it's not like when we are dancing, we're not mathematically going. Well, some people are when they do like professional dancing. But what I mean is like the ethos isn't like we're going. Okay, my foot goes here, my foot goes there, hand goes here, hand goes right. there. It's kind of like dancing is one of the most primal things there is because it's emotion is connected with emotion that's why yes. kind of, i loved alan's analogy of using dance and science because it's the most primal with the most kind of up-to-date situation and culture yeah, yeah. like when, when when you're looking at the world uh scientifically or in a, in a cold and pragmatic sense it tends to deny one of the most important things which is the human condition and, and all the spectrum of yeah emotions and that that come with that um yeah like it's like i don't discredit science at all you i i I, again was an atheist but like it was like you said cold very cold because there is not like this emotion of believing in something or pondering something there has been like more of a rise with people like graham hancock and other scientific fields where they're having a more open idea of yes what if what you know questioning science again and i don't that shouldn't be like taken to the whole length of like well we shouldn't really be having any vaccines anymore what i mean is like just like (laughs) question some like odd stuff because there's some odd stuff going on out there (laughs) and uh yeah being able to open your mind like that yeah be more open with what you're doing don't lose don't be open to the point where you suck it into stuff. Still, yeah. like, I like sitting on the fence. People don't agree with me, but I like sitting on a fence because I know I'm on the fence. But on the fence, I can see everywhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I agree. I tend to agree with that a lot. You know, it's it's uh, one of the things I struggled with a little bit, um, especially come, you know, uh, George Floyd and, and, and a, a term you heard a lot around was uh, silence is violence. You know, if you're not uh, actively trying to, um, uh, you know, stand up for for people and and be a part of Black Lives Matter or you know protest what's happening with with the police. You if if you're not actively doing those things, you are part of the problem. Yes. And on the one hand, I understand the sentiment. You know, it's uh, uh, it's important to stand up for people in your community, and if there's an oppressed people, uh, you know, it's up to the rest of the community to be there for them. But on the other hand, uh. You know there are a lot of a lot of different people on a lot with a lot of different perspectives, and in order to come to a solution that works for everybody, you need to see everybody's point of view on something mm-hmm. and work with them and and help them work with each other. You know, I, you need some exactly, you need you need yeah. somebody in the middle, and and I always tend to feel like I'm in that position. I mean, it's going to take longer to resolve things that way, but it cuts out so many problems because we're looking at and considering more people's values and stuff. I mean, it's going to take harder to say if we got the KKK and the Black Panthers in a room and went, can you just like work it out, guys? It's not, you know, it's not going to be 
quick at all. No. But who who is the guy? Oh, uh, God damn it! I need to know his name. I need to know his name. Yes, the blues musician. Yep, yep. Who who met with the KKK and was was able to, uh, you know, convert some people out of there. Daryl Davis. Shout out to Daryl Davis. He yeah. has a book called Clandestine Relationships, A Black Man's Odyssey in the Ku Klux Klan. He also got interviewed by Joe Rogan, I believe, was it? Yep, yep. And Yeah, I love him. He That's how the approach, find the middle ground and then yeah. move from there. Yes, that same approach of like, you know, the, these people are in, are, are in the Ku Klux Klan, um, which t- tends to lead you to believe that uh, they aren't a huge fan of the African-American population, <laughs> yet this guy's, you know, takes... I I I remember explaining him him explaining um how he how he was able to sit down with with the first member of the Ku Klux Klan that he that he did um and you know I think it took weeks of like met him in a bar said a couple words you know the next week they talked a little bit longer eventually trusted each other to like mm-hmm. share their phone numbers and then you know days maybe weeks later you know gained enough trust to sit down and talk to this guy and uh you need, yeah, you really need to have an open perspective to be able to have the patience to do something like that for somebody. And, and, and it, it led to a very fruitful, fruitful relationship led to opening the opening of minds for a lot of people. Yeah. You know? Cause if he had gone in there with the like, Oh, fuck you, you're a racist piece of shit. You support yeah. Trump, blah, 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 blah. Starts argumentative. It blocks the middle ground straight away, and you can't get anywhere. Whereas instead, you you sit down and you go like, "Well, why why don't you like black people? Or so why do you support this? Why do you support that?" And actually listen and understand it. You can find not there's never going to be like big connections, but any little connection you can build a bridge. Do you know what right. I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. That's if if I if I had to. I guess if I had to cr- critique um, the law enforcement in the United States, wh- while there are many critiques to make, uh, <laughs> one of the unfortunate reactions I saw was um, just kind of, uh, it, there's a mob mentality to a degree on both sides. You know, protesters are obviously protesting the police and it, it's understandable that police officers would take offense to that and kind of feel like they are their own brotherhood and that they need to stand up for themselves. And yeah. so you see all, all these videos of, of and you know not in every case and not in every city but certainly there were there were quite a few examples of um you know police uh breaking up like uh medical aid tents at protest at protests you know dumping out water trashing medical supplies or yeah. you know driving by people and just spraying mace out the window just doing doing what things reaction in in a reactionary way yep when you know if i had to give them a piece of advice i'd i'd say you know, t- take a look at the situation from from their shoes. Understand why they're protesting. Talk to them. Try to empathize with them. And in in a lot of situations, that did happen. I you know I don't want to say that that never happened. There were there were a few very touching moments where, you know, the crowd would be singing uh, "Amazing Grace." You know, and the police would put yeah. their shields down, and everyone would just have a powwow. And that's that's really awesome to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to solve a, a a national issue, it's it's much harder to. I don't know, especially as as broken as the uh, as the government tends to operate, um, much harder to to have those conversations and implement them. Uh, yeah, yeah, I view it as like it's a long game, but if more people start having these conversations, it's going to cut down the time, which is kind of why I'm glad I'm doing this because it brings those conversations. 
I want people yeah. to talk more because this like conversation is very lack. Even if I've got social media, like people just send like emojis to people now. They don't really talk. And again, like with like me being right. stuck homeless for a year, we haven't been able to fully talk. It's been like, you know, communication is so important. Ridiculously so. Number one, you could argue. And I would argue that communication is number one in, in any relationship. And in, in the whole general gist of life, I think if there was no communication, if we as a species couldn't communicate, we would still be hairy people in the forest. Like, yeah. We, yeah. The ability to communicate and share knowledge, share feeling on a completely in like it's not physical but it's not emotional it's like in the middle i don't know how you describe verbal it's a vibrational feeling that yeah you know I mean, it's I, something that it, it takes your whole life to be able to um in, in, interpret you know I, they say 90 percent of a well maybe not 90 it was a 70 80 percent of a conversation is is body language yeah and so uh, even then without body language there's a difference between hearing words coming from a robot's voice and hearing them from a human where they have different inflections where I can sound mad, you know, and it, you know, there's, there's so many different uh, subtle cues like that. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens with uh, Elon Musk's Neuralink. Let's uh -huh. all get computers in our brains so we can, you know, you know, on the one hand, there's a lot of concerns that come with that. But on the other hand, I'm like kind of I'm incredibly, intrigued. Yeah, I'm incredibly fascinated to to you know one of the things he talks about in the like future implementations is we could theoretically like like I could take a concept that I'm thinking of, upload it, and you can download it and know you know exactly what I'm thinking, exactly what I'm feeling, exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, because if they can is... map out actual thought data into a computer data, they can completely reconstruct it, and you will not technically you will have we will have telepathy thanks to yeah, science pretty much i mean it, it's it's interesting you know we can talk verbally and, and i could i could sit here and explain to you a, a concept or a thought that i'm having and you can understand it to a pretty uh, you know a, a pretty good degree i think but Imagine how much if of I that could feel the way you understand it fully to the degree that I am not right. essentially feeling it as me. I'm right. downloading not your consciousness, but like the whole, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The entire concept from my mind to yours, it's, which it's no longer just like sending video and sound or sound like, what is this? MP 52. I yeah. don't know. What do we call this? If we yeah, can download know. consciousness and thoughts. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, imagine what that would do to to language. Imagine what would it it would do to empathy. Imagine how something like that would change our foreign policy. You know how how countries respond to one another. It would like you could get like Donald Trump in a room and he's just bombed Syria, and then you go, "This is what they're feeling right now," and send him all the thoughts and feelings of like the people in Syria, and then he's got right. to go through that. He, people wouldn't go through that. That's like the biggest psychedelic trip you could go through. <laughs> yeah. DMT yes, on steroids is feeling actual over humanity. I think that would be, yeah, DMT on steroids. I, I, this, I'm, I, I kind of disagreed with this, like, Neuralink to begin with, but now I like this idea. If I can do this and make people, like, feel suffering and change, Elon, hit me up. I, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's an awesome power to have, and obviously there, there are a lot of concerns, 
you know, having a brain in your head, in your head, you know, you I, I, nobody hacks it. I, 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 I'm not, listen, I'm not going to do it myself. I'm sorry. I, I, I'll, I'll view from a distance. If, if my friends want to like go into psychic time and all that, that's cool. But I hate surgery as it is. Yeah. Let alone having something in my brain. I would try it. You know, you can always get it removed as if far as I know. If you could have like, like, like if you could have like a, a beta version where you just put it on your head and it like connects to like, right it's not as good but like it's like the bluetooth to your brain instead of the wi-fi yeah I'd try yeah. that version but anything that involves attaching something to my skull unless i really really need it i'm all right for now <laughs> yeah yeah no i don't need it and i suppose it would be expensive enough to where i probably wouldn't want to do it on a whim just to try out you know you got to be pretty sure you want that if you're going through with that surgery but yeah it's it's crazy times um it is yeah. incredibly t- crazy times, which kind of brings me to what I wanted to bring up earlier is your sure. crazy times that were your self-driven crazy times, you know, back in the car days, traveling around. Like, I wanted to get a bit of a perspective on that. Like, sure. How um, were your travels? <laughs> boy, where to begin? It's a big, it's a big one. Uh, so I guess a brief um, synopsis because I don't think anyone listening to this probably knows me, but, uh, um, trust me, there are some people I know you're out there. <laughs> um, yeah, was it, uh, ended 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I was living in Wisconsin here and I was just kind of working a, a cubicle job. Not really sure what I, uh, not really sure what I wanted to do. I've always been into, or at least since high school into photography and, um, uh, learning about how to, I, this is where I talk about it's unfortunate. Uh, I, I suppose I like my society, um, mm-hmm. but in some ways it's restricting, right? So if I have right. a, a if I have a passion and I want to do that thing full time, I need to make sure it makes me money, or I'm not going to be like you know, it's it's uh, very difficult to get by in a capitalist society without money. That's right now in england there's a huge debate about essential workers and essential jobs and such and loads of people i know who are artists musicians and stuff who can't go perform and stuff have lost out massively because people don't take their job seriously yet at the end of the day if we didn't have things like music art poetry photography movies all of this stuff. What are we going to be doing in the evenings? Like it's our life. It, that right. is our life. Entertainment is half of a, per- a person's life. So uh, yeah, I, 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 people, I agree. You know. So like you being a photographer is key. My friends being musicians is key because it entertains not just yourself, people around you, and it's sharing this kind of goodness. Like not, j- jobs aren't going to make just people happy. There's sitting in a cubicle isn't entertaining there are some entertaining jobs which happen to be jobs like photography musician and people doing what they actually want to do you know i i I identify much more as a a photographer or videographer or a writer much more than i do a a, a private security contractor and i think that's the case in, in a lot of situations when you have a large society it's just true that there are a lot of jobs that need to be done you know i don't think it's somebody's life goal to be a garbage man but in a big society where everyone has a lot of garbage you need somebody to take care of it and uh and you know i don't i'm not sitting here thinking that any garbage every garbage man hates their lives or anything you know i'm sure some appreciate what they do but 
that's not, I don't think what I would identify as if I was a garbage man, I wouldn't identify as the guy who takes care of garbage. I would identify as the guy who likes this particular music. You know, these are the things that define yeah. me. Identify uh, in what you love, not in what you have to do. Right. What, what you have to do to get by. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, so, so I found myself, uh, uh, you know, a few years ago wanting to wanting to try to make the, one of these things something I could do for a living. Um, and so I started with photography and I love taking photos and I still do. Um, I do less so now more than ever, which is kind of unfortunate, but I do need to get back into it, man. Some of your long exposure shots were <laughs> seriously some of were incredible. I, I miss it because um, I, I haven't done it a ton uh, lately let's say in the last year, year and a half, but mm. it, it's not a terrible thing because it means I'm busy with other projects and I certainly am. Um, but I started with photography and uh, realized that unless I'm selling, unless I'm working for national, specifically landscape photography is what I enjoy. You know, yeah. it's, it's a reason to be in nature. It's a reason to capture the beauty of the landscapes around us. Um, and you do it and, so well. I'm sorry. I just, I lo- I've always loved your photography, man. I appreciate it. it. Partially why I chose to do it in college back in the day. Like, so just wanted to shout you out for that. I, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it's hard to make a living off of. So like, uh, you know, unless I'm working for National Geographic or, you know, I'm making a, a nature documentary or something for some big organization, it's it's hard to it's hard to get by. You know, you can hope that you have enough of a following to where you can be selling prints, things like that. Yeah. Um, but that's about it, you know, and most people I know who do it, do it as a hobby. Um, and so my next step, and something I was arguably even more interested in was uh, videography, making yeah. videos. You know, I, I, I love movies. I love, you know, cinematography, videography, being able to tell a visual story um, is fascinating to me. And so um, uh, being sort of a, a despondent, uh, I might've still been a teenager. I don't know, 19, but uh, you know, I, I wasn't living at home anymore. I was just working a job and I had an apartment, but there wasn't, very much uh, stimulating about it. And so in, in an effort to, I guess, see more of the world and um, uh, build a portfolio was kind of the main, the main thing I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I documented all my, my, my travels and go to my YouTube channel. If you're at all interested, Christopher Sorensen is my name, or you can just search the Tao of Chris in in youtube and you can see my handful of videos that i made over that the course of that year but that was the biggest uh um goal i went into it with you know i i needed something to make videos about as a portfolio in the hopes of you know one day taking that uh to to a job and and showing it off you know which i still think you can do by the way i just want to say that the tower chris was incredible series I certainly believe I could, and I would love to at some point. Um, and I've, I've actually gotten a couple of small, small jobs in Eau Claire here, um, whether it be wedding videos or I've done, I did an ad for a friend of mine, uh, a fellow photographer. Hey, that's um, something, man. That's something. And, it, it, you know, may, maybe I didn't think it through real well. Uh, some of the reasons I'm not entirely motivated to go down that road. I, I realized very quickly that if I want a job in the movie industry, there's about three cities that you need to go to, you know, you know, like New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta are kind of the big three. And, you know, there's still other opportunities in other places, but not nearly, you know, what it would be. And, uh, you know, if I were to move to Los Angeles or something, 
And for a while I was fine, you know, with that. Well, I can, you know, I've been living in my car for a year. I could do it again. Just live in Los Angeles till I get a job, you know, start climbing that ladder. Yeah. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was COVID maybe that opened my eyes or, you know, the kind of uh, um, um, exodus from California and especially having living lived there for six, seven months, I was able to kind of get more familiar with the landscape, uh, yeah. social landscape. And, um, I don't know, you know, I, I learned a few things about myself. I've, I've always been a fan of, of, uh, I guess, small towns or just being, being more connected with nature. You know, I grew up in a small town. Um, and when I was traveling, I kind of specifically avoided large cities. You know, I went and visited San Francisco once, but yeah. I drove past Seattle. I drove past Portland. I didn't really feel the need. You know, I'd much rather be out seeing the 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 rainforest of the Pacific Northwest than I would want to spend I, them in. I never understood why people go on like holidays to places that are just cities, and then all they do is go shopping. Like, yeah, there, yeah. there's no point in that. There's... No, I I agree completely. Um, and so I I realized very quickly that I don't really want to live in a big city uh and that's what i would have to do to to get into that industry yeah. um i would have to, you know it's another corporate ladder to climb um and you know if if if, if opportunities arose uh, uh eau claire is a, a pretty pretty well up and coming city uh as far as wisconsin goes um and so you know there may be opportunities to come um, I mean, I'm, but, I'm I'm hopeful. Like COVID has w- weirdly brought stuff like that together. I mean, wasn't yeah. there like a movie about um, raccoons that like won the best award this year because people couldn't get to the movies, so they used that as a way to be like, let's sell out the tickets, and then it I, won an award. Something about crazy raccoons. I'm I, if I, I find know. it, I'm putting it in the, the the bio if I find it because it's a weird situation that like more independent things have kind of made a little bit of a move because people aren't slipping into the like oh the new avengers is out i mean look at wonder woman it it kind of flopped because people can't go out and the hardcore fans i mean yeah they're they're gonna buy it but meh right right whereas like this whole covid thing a lot of the independent creator stuff has been the better stuff because true if you're going to put the tv on it's news so no one wants to watch the tv so you go to youtube you get kind of sick of watching bloody covid videos on youtube you start watching stuff you don't usually watch and i have noticed a rise in in not hugely but there has been a bit more of a independent revolution happening definitely by far i think you know content creators independent content creators on on youtube are getting uh, on average i think probably more views than uh, YouTube is the new television. Like, right. radio killed the whatever star, whatever, however that song goes. But, yeah. like, <laughs> video killed the radio star. Um, yep. Well, now YouTube's killed the TV. <laughs> because... I think so. I mean, I don't know the numbers for like Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Amazon Prime, things like that. But, I, you know, so much more content is able to come out on YouTube and, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a competitive market, just like anything else in our society. And so people are trying to make the best content they can. And, and it's pretty awesome. You know, I, I've learned so much on YouTube and been entertained for countless hours, <laughs> sometimes too much. So, you know, but, and that was another route I thought about going down is, is, uh, really trying to, um, um, 
come into my own as a, as a YouTuber, I guess. Um, I, I never made any of my videos uh, uh, with that in mind. Um, if I got views, cool, but, you know, I called it the Tao of Chris. I didn't call it like, you know, I, I feel like something that would have come up more in the algorithm or gotten more views would have been like, you know, what it's, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, let me come up with a title like, you know, like uh, what it's like to live in my car or something like that might, might, or, or maybe a more, more clickbaity title, you know, living like, in my believe... car challenge. Right. Yeah. You'll never believe what happened here in, in the thumbnail. I've got a red circle with an arrow pointing to it somewhere in the background, you know, like, and, and uh, my yeah. face like looking shocked or something, you know, I they're, mean, they're... to me, it was kind of like the, the whole title, Chris was, you were kind of doing a diary and you were putting it out there, but not yeah. like if people watch that's okay. But like, it was kind of, you were doing it a lot more for yourself. I feel. Is that right? I, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you know, I was, I was making it as, as sort of a portfolio. If, if I wanted to make it, it's not really vlog style. It's not, I mean, to a degree, it's me talking to a camera but it's it's mm. more of a narrating i tried to make it you know more cinematic yeah um, it was the documentarian style cinematic a lot again you're into landscape so yeah yeah um and so uh uh i yeah if i if i were trying to get views there there are certainly uh formulas for youtube you know things you can do to to boost your um videos in in the great algorithm and so and i was never really taking those into account very much no, uh, I have them on YouTube, so it's a quick link I could send to an employer or somebody interested in my work. You know, it's very easy to, uh, like Instagram and YouTube, it's easy to link to, and so that's that was my main intention. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah, you know, it's 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 always a possibility. I I just don't know. It's interesting, you know. I I I have some decent equipment and I put all this work into like making these very cinematic videos. And I like to, a lot of it's very cringy looking back on it now, which <laughs> is fine. You know, like I didn't make it for the, for the content. I, I hated being the, I guess the subject of the videos, but yeah, being the subject was not my intention. It was, it was the, it was the attempting to make something of decent quality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's, it's crazy to see, you, you know, like I think my most viewed video is like maybe 500 something views where, Whereas you can have somebody, if they have interesting enough content, can use, you know, an old cell phone and their imagination to make, you know, like Vine was something I always thought was so crazy because it's it's just people using their cell phone cameras and you had people becoming massive celebrities just just with these little skits that they would come up with, you know, just things in their imagination. Again, with TikTok, there's people from yeah. TikTok who are wealthier than me and you combined just from posting one video yeah yeah it's it's one it's crazy. 15 30 second video of just maybe even less and that can change people's lives these days yeah yeah um yeah it's crazy stuff um but anyway so i guess going back to to the traveling um so, so that's kind of why I, I left home i needed something to film and i wanted to do something with my life i wanted to have some experience so um, I pack. I, I got rid of most of my stuff, which is an awesome feeling, by the way. Not ha not having any belongings. Um, but when when I first had to be homeless, I'm not gonna lie. Getting rid of a lot of stuff felt pretty darn good because you've not so, got to worry, and you've only got the essentials. So. So did you guys? Did you guys? Um, did you have a, a storage unit with a lot of stuff in it, or did you try to uh, just get rid of most of the things that you owned? 
So like a lot of the stuff that we owned, we kind of thought rationally about it. Like we don't need this in the long run and had to throw it away. Stuff that like was sentimental, like I'd get straight away to family and friends put away. Other stuff, we like literally had to bring everything to my my grandma's. It was not fun because there was literally a room full of just stuff. But then like looking at that, it kind of dwindled down during the whole of like the lockdowns here because I was kind of coming, me and my mom were kind of becoming a bit more mindful of like, yeah, we don't really need that. We don't need this. We don't need that. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like homeless, homeless, like, you know, I'm literally on a backpack on the street in the cold. Like I was sofa surfing basically. Right, right. Friends. Which is which is fortunate that you that you had that, but uh, I I I I noticed too that uh, most of the things I wanted to keep were generally either uh, items of sentimental value or items of entertainment purposes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I had you know pragmatic stuff. I had things that I needed, but uh, still but gotta it, brush your teeth. Right, right. But it's uh it's uh very freeing to know that you know everything I own is in this car. I got. I'm, you know, kind of a one man machine. I got everything I need here and I could last for quite a while. Just exactly yeah, where I am. There's none of that. Like, oh, I forgot my keys back at the house. Oh, my God. No. Yeah. Like, yep. it's, you are your house. You're a snail. Yeah. 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 It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, and pretty fun. Um, but uh, so I, I drove out west. I went to uh, Washington first. I spent a month. So uh I was using a program called uh, Help X, mm. um, uh, short for Help Exchange. Yeah. So it's it's kind of similar to uh, couch surfing or uh, Woof if you've heard of Woof, but it's it's essentially you know uh, uh, people will post I guess job uh, sort of like uh, job listings I guess like I have a place for you to stay and food for you to eat if you. Um, We'll do like, you know, 20 hours of work a week or something like that. In a non-sinister way, it was kind of like Craigslist and Airbnb had a baby. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, And it led to a lot of interesting experiences. So the first place I went was in the San Juan Islands uh, north of Seattle, um, right next to the border of British Columbia. Um, Beautiful, beautiful country, very, you know. Areas I get envious about because England. Oh my gosh! Like we have, I love forests, but like the variety of the American landscape is tremendous. It it is tremendous. It's just so damn far away from each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's the downside, but at least it's the same country. Yes, it is the same country. Um, For uh, now, uh, Trump. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, That was beautiful up there. I spent a month living. it, um, it was a, uh, I guess, uh, summer camp slash retreat. It was a spiritual retreat called Indralaya. Uh, and there, it was a, a, a summer camp. Um, it was part of uh, the Theosophical Society. I remember um, some of your photos. Weren't you in like that pretty neat looking cabin? Yeah. 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 I had a nice yeah. little cabin to myself, a little wood stove. Um, oh. Sorry. Give me one sec. I. No worries. Unplug buddy. my headphones. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I had a nice little cabin to myself. I, um, and it was just general work, you know, it was uh, a little bit of uh, landscaping or like brush removal, uh, some janitorial stuff. I, I worked in the kitchen. So just kind of helping out, you know, it's, and it, I, I never felt like it was, you know, some 
strict work, work exchange. It was all stuff I'd feel compelled to do if I was, you know, living there anyway, or li- living somewhere anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was interesting. Uh, going into it, my preconceived notion of theosophy was very limited. You know, I'd heard of uh, Madame Blavatsky, the, the Russian mystic that um, went on to influence people like Rasputin. Um, she influenced nearly, I, I, I'd say she's got a foothold in most occult slash new age, uh, not not just new age, but uh, the last era of occultism, she has had a foothold in it in every yeah. single aspect, uh, Egyptian, Indian, American, Native American, all the way over to Far East Asia. People know of Madame Vavatsky because I could never say her last name right, but people know of her because she was kind of obsessed. <laughs> yeah, she, she, a very, very uh, prominent figure, traveled the world and yeah, very interesting um, character. Um and I didn't know much about her and, and the, the Theosophical Society that I came to know from, from staying there was very, just very kind of um, new age religion. You know, it's people who, who are spiritual, but they don't want to tie themselves down to an organized religion. You know, if I had to sum up their beliefs in one sentence, it would be like, they believe that every religion has a piece of the pie or like maybe every religion is sort of an interpreted truth. Yep. But like branches from a tree, there are there's like one main truth that they all kind of stem from. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a study of, of spirituality and, and religion. And, um, Which I like. Like, I don't yeah. I think everyone should be able to believe what they would believe in. And the fact that there's these environments where people can kind of do that and get along with people who believe something else, but have the mutual understanding of something, whether it be that, um, I don't know, the there is a God. It could just be as simple as that. They don't have to agree that they have the same God, but the idea that there possibly could be a God yeah, and people yeah. agree on that and can get along with that is something revolutionary. If you went back a hundred years, <laughs> you bet, you betcha. Lots of, lots of death in the name of religion. So people coming together under, under one umbrella is pretty, pretty cool. Um, I, I, I don't know how much, detail i should go into i could talk for hours about like every one of these places i stayed but so i went to i went from washington i stayed there for a month down to uh oregon i stayed with this woman in a a small little town in the cascade mountains called um it's like crescent lake i believe Hmm. and she wasn't uh, a very a very pleasant woman it was (laughs) it was an interesting place so she was she lived in alaska for most of her life and uh um, she had moved to Oregon and, and she had uh, a lot of animals. She's, she kind of had a hobby farm. She had okay, yeah, a few alpacas, a few llamas, some goats, a donkey. Yeah. Okay. I'm putting chickens. the character in my head now. Yeah. <laughs> but she was very, um, kind of rural paranoid. I don't know. Maybe she's just spent some too much time alone or something when she was living in Alaska, but she was very, you know, she would stay up till like three or four in the morning, just watching Fox news. You know, she oh, kind of believed that kind of believe that the government was was out to get her and and uh, uh, uh yeah. bless her soul she was getting older and so she wasn't able to take care of a uh her property alone and so she kind of relied on on volunteers to 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 do most of her work for her and um i met a really good guy we actually grew up just a couple hours from each other and and met uh 
met there thousands of miles away from home. Small world um, and a big yeah. world. Yeah. Um, but we bonded. And I, I had a decent time there. You know, it was interesting to, to work with the animals and, and get to know him. Um, she's certainly an interesting character. I'm not going to say she was a bad person, but not somebody I, I guess, easily got along with. But uh, I spent a few weeks there. And then I went uh, to um, Myrtle Creek, Oregon, which uh, was a, a really awesome experience. I, I, I'm still really good friends with um, the people I stayed there, stayed with there. Um, That's good. I mean, I'm glad that you kind of you, you traveled across the whole country and you still made these connections. Like the guy with who? Do you still talk to the guy that was local to Wisconsin? Uh, once in a while, yeah. He um, he left around the same time I did from where we were staying. He did a bike tour. He was getting ready to do like, like oh, um, damn. yeah. So he was just riding his bike, you know, manual bike, not not like a motorcycle or anything. And he just had some saddlebags and he. He went okay, like seven hardcore. He went like seven hundred miles or something. Yeah, the guy was. Yo, big up to that guy. Got uh, Dan. You don't have oh, to give geez. his full name, but big up Dan. Yeah, big up Dan. I want to. I, I feel terrible. I don't even remember his last name, but uh, good guy. He lives in uh, Chicago now. I don't know what he does, but um, talked to him once in a while. Um, so, went to Myrtle Creek. Sorry. So what? What, what kind of wanted to like? summarize about the travel is like yes what like at the end of it if you looked at back at the whole thing what was kind of the most the biggest shift was there any like biggest like how did you feel before the travel to the end of the travel what well, sure sure uh yeah i suppose that what it is to be an independent person um you know i'm, I'm going to these places it, it was a big challenge to recording these videos i would have to show up somewhere having never met these people before, you know, we, we maybe talked or had a Skype conversation, just like make sure I'm not going into a serial killer's house and they're not inviting a serial killer into their house, you know, but yeah. Um, <laughs> aside from that, you don't know people real well. And uh, I'm, I'm not only uh, going there and living there for the first time, but I'm having to say, okay, you know, this is, I'm trying to create sort of a video expose based on my experiences while I'm here. Uh, would you want to be the part a part of that? Are you comfortable with that? And some people were like, absolutely not, you know, get that camera out of my face. And some people were like, oh, that's a really cool idea. Like, what if we did this thing early, you know, like, that'd be cool if we did this thing, or you should record this, you know, so uh, a very different, uh, I guess, perspectives from people on on that kind of stuff. Um, mm. But uh, eye opening in a way, you're meeting a load of different kinds of people, but in a very familiar situation if yeah you know, like you, you you're continuously going into this voluntarial situation but you don't know who you're going to meet in it it's kind of no. like when you go on a school camp or like you know when you did i don't know if you do this in america but like in england we go on holidays into like hotels and like kids usually make friends with other kids in the hotels sometimes you just had to make a friend yeah. Um, I can't say we, we would do that specifically in hotels. Uh, there, there would certainly be a situation where a, a, a couple schools would all send their kids. Uh, like, I, I think we call them field trips. It would just be like a day trip to, let's say, like the museum or something. Mm. But um, like, but like, like when you were like traveling and such, like, did you ever like feel forced to be friends with anyone? Or did, like, was there any situation where you were actually uncomfortable 
book carried on or yeah the the only one i could think of would be that that woman in crescent lake and not that she was a terrible person we just didn't get her along real well but i'm i'm in the situation of i'm living in her house and i have nowhere else to go right now so it's just easier if we get along you yeah. know um uh that's really it you know i didn't i never felt in danger uh people were very concerned my parents specifically were like hey, you know check in you know every day make sure you're not dead or anything but and a friend of my, a friend of mine even offered to to sell me a handgun for protection. Jesus Christ! And uh, you know, I I said, you know, I think I'm all right. I don't I don't need uh, I don't need any firepower. I'm just gonna kind of trust the universe to take care of me. And I I that's what happened. You know, I had a great time everywhere I went. Uh, made friends for life. You know, uh, in in many different cities. Um, so you would a hundred percent recommend people to look at their lives and go. I need a break and just run away for it sometime. A hundred percent. Um, it, uh, it, it, it absolutely changed my life for the better. Um, if I had to, if I had to talk about just like, uh, life lessons, I, I, I pulled away from it. Um, I don't know. One of the biggest things that I took away from it was, uh, being able to carry home with me wherever I go. And what I mean by that is like, I, I guess not, not becoming a product of your environment. So there's something to be said for, I'm not quite sure how I want to articulate this. Uh, um, uh, I believe in you, buddy. I, I guess uh, confidence, right? Not, not ignorance, because uh, there's a distinction there, but like being able to con confidently carry yourself wherever you go and in any situation, you know, it, it, it was, it was very much a, a test for, for myself, you know, I, I wanted to know what I was capable of. And in, in any situation I went into, for the most part, I, I was able to thrive. Um, uh, whether it was, you know, an undesirable situation or something that was really awesome that I was entirely about. Um, I mean, but, that, uh, I just thought like that kind of relates a bit back to what you're doing now with your security work and like the homeless people is like what you said earlier about like still like let them have like respect and dignity because if you're carrying everything on your back, that's the being as a whole. And if you're disrespecting that being as a whole, it's yeah. very, very disrespectful because that and, like that's. I mean, a lot of people have skeletons in their closets and stuff. Being homeless yeah. and stuff like that, don't really have that many closets to put your skeletons in it's or hide true. what you're doing yeah. in past times and stuff. A lot of people, if they've got like dirty habits and they're homeless, they will have to do them in front of other people. Yeah. And then it creates yes. this scenario where like there are some people that do disrespectful things, but if you give them respect and understand why they're doing them, Again, you meet the middle ground. Yes, it's uh, that that was certainly one of one of the downsides a, a little bit, I guess, is like uh, you're you're wearing your heart on your sleeve a little bit. There was a situation where, so um, in in a quick nutshell, I was in uh, Myrtle Creek, Oregon. I went a few hundred miles south to uh, uh, Ukiah, California, um, where I was staying, and and we were building a straw bale house, um, mm. and uh. uh due to some extenuating circumstance circumstances because of, uh, 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 forest fires, we had to evacuate. Um, and so I not having anywhere to go because it was very impromptu and being 
good friends with the people I was staying with in Myrtle Creek, I went back up north and uh, and live with them for a few more weeks. Yeah. Um. Um. And eventually, uh, it got to the point where we were all going a little stir crazy. I was um staying in their guest room, and uh, you know, I was I was still pulling my own weight. I was helping out, but eventually, you get stuck on the same property with the same people for for so long. And I'm sure a lot of people are relating to that with COVID these days, kind of being, you know, stuck inside with, with people, even if you love them, eventually uh, it gets a little uh, tiring maybe. Yeah. And so eventually, you know, and they were never going to like kick me to the curb and say, you know, get out of here. But they were just kind of like, yeah, you know, or we'd like to kind of have our, our house to ourselves for a while. And I understood that, but uh, it's, is a situation of like, okay, well, I just got my car. So like, I better figure out where I'm going. So you are sort of like, your heart's on your sleeve, you're trusting compassion of others and, and um, um, other people's kindness, I guess, to, to get you by, which is, is uh, utterly rewarding in most situations, but it does have its downfalls. Mm. Yeah. But uh, as far as, as far as, um, and I'm sure you can relate to that as well. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what you've been through the last few months and uh, I feel kind of bad. We're mostly talking about like me and what I've been doing, but uh, you've oh, had man. quite, quite Did a few experiences uh, lately mean... too. I mean, I, I like, again, like the reason I'm doing this is to interview people for different lifestyles and bring it together to, again, like find the middle ground between different people and different ways of living. But like, I suppose, I, I mean, you, yeah, like you, I like you speaking, man, but like um, this year, uh, again, yeah, you have to, you do have to have your heart on your sleeve. Um, you said you were you were you were couch surfing for the most part, right? Uh, was I it, mean, was I was it? bouncing between my girlfriends and my nans, depending on when lockdown was and whatever. So, sure. like, again, you've got to. I had to interact with a whole like new household when I'd stayed over with my girlfriends. There's yeah. her roommate, her and her roommate's boyfriend, and then someone else moved in. And again, like that was a situation of having to have your heart on your sleeve. Like there was because they weren't my. I like them like I consider the roommate definitely and roommate's boyfriend but like I'm not gonna say I'm gonna get along with everyone else that comes in the house right but like I'm in I'm in their house I've got to right. like you know so yeah. I had to kind of like be compassionate but still kind of have my own self-respect and not get you know pushed it, yeah aside. definitely it's 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 uh something that I obviously situational but it's something that takes um, I guess practice, uh, knowing, I guess what's, what's good for you, what's good for them, where the line is between who's acting inappropriately. You know, obviously you would hope that everyone's doing what they can, to, uh, to, to get along. Um, but, uh, but certainly it, it takes human interaction and, and, and a situational experience like that to be able to uh, better map out, you know, like what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with understanding somebody else's comforts and, and being able to accommodate each other. Mm. Um, it takes practice, man. It does take practice. I don't think many people can just jump into a different environment of different people and like integrate just like that. No, no. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's kind of funny, uh, looking, looking even, five years ago, you know, like, uh, I had a relationship in high school and, you know, when you're in the throes of, uh, your first romance, it's, you know, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. We have something nobody else has. And years later you look back on it and you're like, wow, you know, there, there were a lot of 
codependency issues. There was a lot of kind of toxic behavior going on. Nothing that was too, luckily in my situation, you know, me and my ex-girlfriend get along, you know, we, mm. yeah. um, we're in good terms, but uh, in many situations when people have no real um, awareness of, of, like I said, those boundaries, both for them and for other people. Um, yeah. It takes practice and, and things can get ugly if you're not, not aware of what's going on. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I, where were we? I don't know. Oh, you, you were talking about, uh, I guess just, yeah, what you've been doing the last year, but but were all those experiences positive? Did anything blow up in your face having to having to couch surf while you while you did? I mean, there was arguments are going to happen, like different ways of life. Of like course, my yeah. my nan is. I mean, she's very conservative. Not not conservative. I don't know. She's very fifties. Sure. sure. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So, like she doesn't understand a lot of things like with like me being autistic and social situations. She doesn't understand that I have to do things in certain ways or talk certain ways. She just mm. thinks it's silly. Like I can learn to not do it that way. Right. Right. So there was stuff like that that blew up in my face. I mean, there was other stuff that blew in my face, just private stuff, but just, you know, stuff that happens with when family is forced to be really close together and mm. they haven't, and they haven't been. Yeah. Uh, what would you say you uh, took away from that? You know, what, how did you interpret situations like that? I mean, it goes back to the whole thing that I say about communication. Communication is key. If you don't actually talk properly to the person you're around or if, I mean, silence is good too. It's good to think things out. I think whenever anyone's like getting angry or emotional about something, write it down and then reread it to yourself. Sure. Like just get this little like different refresh of what's going on. Write down what's happening and how you feel, and read it back to yourself because it gets rid of the emotions instead of like quick reacting. Yes, I mean, if yeah. you can, if you can have the time to do that, obviously. But I, I think that's an incredibly valuable uh, valuable perspective. So many, so many people like um, the example I, I I used with police and protesters. So many people, you know, uh, respond reactionarily. You know, if somebody insults you, the the average, uh, I think, human um, response is to insult them back. Um, yep. But being able to, yeah, have a little bit of empathy, understand where somebody's coming from and not take things necessarily personally, you know, like I would be kind of upset if, if my uh, grandmother said something like that to me, you know, just, well, you know, just just don't do that or just, you know, it's it's easy, just like you know, uh, whatever it might be, not understanding what your perspective is, where you're coming from, the, the uh, um, things you have to do in your own life. Um, it'd be easy to just say, oh, she doesn't understand or whatever. You Okay, boomer, you know, whatever. But <laughs> being able to understand where somebody's coming from or, you know, the, the, the experience that the, they've had in their own life, the, the society that they grew up in. And, you know, it, it, me mental health for, for a lot of people of older generations is something that People just push push aside, you know. If you're mm -hmm, depressed, definitely. you just got to pick yourself up from your bootstraps and and uh, and uh, hey, for some people, you were just crazy. That was yeah, it. that's yep. just it. Put them away. Oh, that's just crazy, Callum. That's just get rid of that guy. It wasn't too long ago that homosexuals and feminists were sent to insane asylums. At least it in this really country, it wasn't that long ago. Jesus Christ, yeah. No, so so yeah what i want to sum up in the end of this is just 
from the scenario of like going through situations where you don't necessarily want to be disrespectful to people at work and you're having more compassionate approach and going through situations where you're around people that aren't exactly like you what would you like what would you suggest like going through a lot of that with your travels and your current job what to be more respectful and deal with situations like that um, like how I, would you sum it up i think uh uh it's it primarily um i guess my perspective on on the world and other people um going back to the namesake of this podcast plant 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 compassion i guess human compassion but compassion nonetheless um i you know i uh Hate's a very strong word, and there are only a couple people that I can think of in my entire life that I dislike. I don't think I hate anybody, and for the uh, for, for the vast majority of people I meet, um, I'd say I feel love for them. You know, even even people I know who are Trump supporters or people who I, I disagree with their politics or you know all, all these different things, um, I can still look at somebody and see how authentically them they are being. Yeah. Do you know what I, do you know what I mean by that? You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the bus drivers, let's say, at the at the at the transit center where I was stationed uh, uh, previously, um, they all say derogatory things towards the homeless people that uh, I don't agree with, um, and I would I would encourage them to change their perspective or open my mind, but at the same time. Uh, these they're kind of salt of the earth guys, you know. They spent this the same amount of time. Um, they spent their whole lives, you know, in, in this one city, and so they're very involved in their communities. And you know, we'll be hanging out outside uh, the uh, the bus station, and let's say there's a one th one thing that happened. Uh, uh, Mike is this old is this old bus driver, and um, uh, there's a, there's a, a store nearby in this. Uh, this semi truck pulls up and he's unloading stuff into this store. He's like making a delivery of however many he had that day. And Mike kind of looks at the guy and he says, Oh, you work for like whatever company that is. He's <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, he's like, where are you out of? Oh, station in lacrosse. Oh, do you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Brian, whatever. And he's like, Oh yeah, Brian's my boss. He's like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I was in Brian's wedding. Why don't you say hi to him for me? Like, I don't know, there's just like so many authentic things or like living in California, you know, where I was uh, off grid and helping build a straw bale house. Uh, um, I, I I don't want to say in a nutshell that I was living in like a, a hippie community or anything, but the guy I was staying with, you know, he was he was this older guy who left uh, left the kind of cookie cutter lifestyle of the East Coast where he grew up, came out to California, living off grid, building an alternative house. He's got, you know, big dreadlocks. Uh, living the dream right Being right free. Um, and you know there's there's uh some uh aspects to that life that i mean that's that's how my my that's my plan and and that's something that uh i'd love to get to uh i don't know if we'll have time today but another time certainly um, i definitely think we should do like another episode and yeah like, talk yeah. about that guy and talk about what you want to do in the future regarding like alternative i mean building yes. and construction in, in general it sounds a guy a, a, i don't want to get into it now but a guy yeah, no, we don't have a house yeah i have a lot to say uh 
uh, in, in those. Okay, in, this uh, is why everyone should continue listening next for the next future episodes. I want to find out yeah. why a guy lived in a straw bale house. Yeah, if, if you never need a, uh, if you ever need a, a, another guest some some week, I'd love to come on. But um, um, you know that guy, he's living an authentic life. He's living his life, and and so even if somebody doesn't have the same views you do, uh, you know the situations. Uh, you know, nature versus nurture, society, um, relationships they've had, life experiences they've had, lessons they've learned have all come together to create the person that they are. And that's pretty fucking cool, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I think everybody's pretty cool. Uh, like I said, again, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, treading, already trodden ground, but uh, uh, I might not have all the same views as somebody, but it's not hard to, to look at them and just say, you know, you're, you're a hundred percent you. Yeah. Uh, at least they're being themselves. Yeah. Like, like who knows if the world could come up with somebody else who's exactly like you, you're, you're, <laughs> you're unique and you're an individual and, and whether or not I agree with you, I can still see the value in that. And, uh, and um, you know, if, if somebody in, in Washington, here's another example. I was uh, taking photos. I really didn't think about that wasn't thinking about it too much. And there was a guy who was, I guess, a very camera shy. Um, um, and, uh, he saw me taking photos and, and, um, I think I, I took, I think I took a, a photo or a couple pictures of him. He was just standing around and he got real angry with me. He got real red faced and he came up to me. He's like, get that camera out of my face. He started yeah. shouting. And, you know, I just kind of backed off. I'm like, Oh, sorry, man. You know, like I apologize. I can delete him if you want, whatever. Um, I, you know, it was maybe a little anxiety inducing in the moment to having somebody shouting in your face, but it's not like mm -hmm. I'm going to get yeah. angry at him and be like, what the hell, man, it's just a photo, you know, stop freaking out. You, you know, you take it and you learn it, you learn from it. And I thought, you know, I, interesting, you know, I wonder what, what happened in this guy's life for him to be, you know, that upset about cameras. And it, it just makes me more interested to learn about somebody, um, yeah, because, because like I said, you know, all of all of the the random acts of chance and different. Uh, well, whether or not you believe of believe in in fate or, or or random things, but you know, whatever the universe has come together to create the person that's in front of you. Um, and I'd I'd much rather learn about that than uh, than be selfish in thinking that that my beliefs in in my worldview is is the right one or not wanting to empathize with that person because i think everything everybody's got something of value to bring to the table you know and, and even if it's not something valuable that they can teach me directly you know you can still look at look at people's um uh negative aspects and 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 uh understand how if you know if, if you do have somebody who's got a temper or somebody who doesn't know how to communicate or somebody who's you know whatever it may be something something negative about somebody um you can see how that affects their life and you can still learn from that, you know. It brings up one of my favorite quotes from Ramdas. I mean, he, like he said in a, it was either his book or an interview, but he said, when you know how to listen, everyone's a guru. Yeah. yeah. You can learn something from everyone. Doesn't matter if they're, again, Hitler level. Again, you could learn some painting skills from Hitler. There's, there's, you can learn something through everyone. It just depends how you approach it. Everyone yeah. has something to bring to the table, like you said. Absolutely. So I guess that would be my, the number one, how I, how I get, get
get through my day-to-day life or how I take value out of um, situations, even if, even if they're not, you know, positive situations. And that's, that's another thing that I uh, really value from my experience uh, living out of my car. You know, even if I'm not carrying all of my possessions um, on my back still, I, I uh, try to carry with me that um, sort of mentality of, of carrying home with me. You know, if I, if I'm able to um, sort of like feel at home where, wherever I am, then there's there's less that 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 can shake me. Yeah, um, yeah, you're a lot more grounded that way. Yeah, and and so even if I'm in a negative situation, uh, I find myself in the middle of a fight, or I'm at work and there's somebody berating me. I don't know. You know, it's it's I don't feel like I'm trapped, or I try I try not to feel like I'm trapped in a situation, or I feel like there's no escape, or you know, I I I just kind of watch it like a movie to a degree, and I try to react. Uh, as best I can. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I think, to put it. Like, what, 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 I think I'll, I'll summarize it. I mean, what I'm grasping from you is to be less reactionary to process what's happening first, kind of feel and think, don't just yes rush in, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's what we can learn from what you've gone through is like, it's better to, kind of find the middle ground and communicate with people instead of being jump the gun hostile in these situations because if you'd done this with people you were living with while you were going across the country you could have got kicked out you could have got in actual fights if you did right. this at your job you you know you don't know what a homeless person's gone through or what they have on them and if you don't know that and do something you could get hurt so yeah yeah i think what I've learned from, well, I say learned, what I learned from you from being, listening to everyone, you've been my guru, is that if you listen to people, they can be your guru. Yes, yes, they can. Um, and obviously, um, um, I was going to say boundaries, of course, you know, like on the one hand, it's it's good not to be reactionary, but on the other hand, it's, it's when it's important, it's good to stand up for, you know, what you believe in and, uh, and um, make sure that you're not taking advantage of anybody and, and no one's taking advantage of you. Pa- pass- passivity is um, a valuable uh, thing to be able to achieve in mm. many situations, but it's good to be, to, to react when you, when, um, when it's appropriate, I guess. And, and when it's a measured response. And yeah. Not... React appropriately. Don't just react. Yeah. yeah. I of course I say, I, I say all these things. I still have a lot to learn. I'm still, you know, I'm still a young guy. I'm sure there's a lot of a lot life has yet to teach me. But. We're still out there actively learning, and that, that's what a lot of people also understand is that, like, we, uh, you know, we're saying all this about compassion, but everyone still has their flaws. The same as those homeless people that have their problems is they might be incredibly wise, just as any guru, but they've ended up in that situation. That's how it happens. It it does like we're all continuously learning. That is life. Life is learning. Yeah. We, we need to remember that too. You know, I've so much compassion for, uh, I don't know. I like to think the, the, uh, transient population that I uh, had to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And, and a lot of people who tr- distance themselves from that have to remember that most Americans are a paycheck away from being in that exact same situation. So mm-hmm. being able to have uh, compassion towards one another, I think is very valuable, but, um, 
you've been my you've been my guru as well you know you're uh, well we both live in somewhat similar western societies you're still living an entirely different life than than i am and so being able that's to what i love we can learn something from everyone and i get that it, this is why I, I kind of loved this episode and loved having you on as my first guest because it sums up everything I love. Okay. I want for this podcast. Is this episode one? This is the the number one one. Oh my gosh! I didn't I didn't realize. Maybe you said it in the intro, and I I, I wasn't listening. But my goodness, episode one, what an honor! I mean, thanks for having me on at all. Um, I wanted someone that was you know who's known me for years, who's known me through my different phases, you know, my different waves, and the fact that sure. we can still come together and talk about like even if we've had like almost a year of like not fully talking could still come together and have these conversations you know those, those are the relationships i value most you know friendships where um you know as uh, however close you are is valuable but somebody who i can still you know not see or not talk to for for whatever it may be some 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 months but come together and still you know feel that connection and and be able to just get into it Exactly, man. That's exactly why I really want to do this is just to bring people together because that distance is a shame, but we're not actually that far away these t these days, you know, like no. we said about the no. internet. So really just like, yeah, this episode is summed up a lot of what I want this to be, just like learning, adapting, going through different situations, exploring out of our comfort zones and just like i've enjoyed truly listening to like what you've gone through because i feel like people should listen to other people's lives because there's again nuggets of wisdom in everyone's life we can learn something so Absolutely. so truly man seriously thank you for being my first guest it's been a privilege and an honor um i'm uh excited to hear uh from other people you have on. I'm excited to hear more about uh, you as well, which I suppose you're the common denominator in this podcast. So the more episodes there are, the, the more we'll be able to hear you, you know, share from, from your experiences, but it, you have such a diverse friend group from all over the world. So I'm, I'm very excited to hear uh, from other people you're going to have on in the future, but, but absolutely. Whenever you need me on again, I'd, I'd love to. So I definitely love to have you on again, man, seriously. So yeah, thank you everybody for listening. And Chris, thank you again. I will drop like your links for your socials, like the Tower Chris in the description so people can check you out. And sure. people can check us out further in the Facebook group and on Instagram, which I will drop in the link. But yeah, thank you again, Chris, for sharing your stories. I'm definitely going to have you on again to listen to about alternative building and a guy living in a goddamn... I, yeah. <laughs> strawberry house it's strawberry. nicer than you it's nice you it's nicer than you'd think for a pile of strawberries but it's just the imagery i love it <laughs> yeah seriously man thank you right. and can't yeah. i can't wait man hopefully if people are entertained I, I i don't know what we're at now almost are we coming up on two hours doesn't seem like it but i guess we are so i mean i'm just i've had fun it's gone fast that's been a blast um yeah thanks again for having me on so it's been a blast so we're gonna blast thank you everyone and good night